Good evening. Welcome to the Illini Choir Podcast. Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper, live at State Farm Center. We just saw Illinois make a late run, 24-6 to to end the game. But it was a scary moment. Down two after a Nebraska 9-0 run. But Illinois takes care of business, 72-56. to Derek Piper, we have three freshmen who really sparked this victory. And what otherwise was a pretty alarming performance, both on offense and in just it was a sleepy night. Let's let's be honest. I thought the freshman's naivete, naivete uh, I should say, uh, really came in handy tonight because it felt like the, the veterans thought they'd walk through and just kind of win this one. But really slow start for Illinois. They overcome it with some freshman performances. So what stood out most to you, Derek? I think it is the fact that the freshmen down the stretch where those guys played significant chunk of minutes that Brad trusted Epps and Sincere and Ty to all be on the floor in those late minutes. And the fact that uh, Jaden being able to get in the lane and it seemed like he was maybe one of the only guys that wanted to get to the rim, especially late shot clock possessions. I thought he did a good job of uh, when things broke down or Illinois, you know, saw the the shot clock dip in under 10. He, his natural reaction was to drive it and to be able to score there versus Illinois taking way too many jump shots in the hole. I know that's something we'll talk about kind of big picture. And, and they have, I think, shot selection and just the large amount of threes that a team that is now the the worst three-point shooting team percentage-wise in the Big Ten in league play. Uh, that's something that I know fans are, are grumbling about, and they do got to be able to address that. So uh, Jaden to do that. Sincere finished around the rim really well tonight. I thought he defended his butt off. Uh, had some momentum plays as he usually does, and uh, it's great to see that the crowd react to him when he gets steals, when he gets out on the break, and a nice dunk in, in transition. Uh, and for him to to go a night where he's four for four, we, we've seen a number of games where he's kind of you know smoked a layup or uh, left something to be desired there, but he finished really well. And then Ty was all over the glass. I mean, I know Nebraska not very good defensive rebounding, but for Ty to have six offensive rebounds in what eighteen minutes. That's a ridiculous rate, and I mean, uh, seven points, seven rebounds, two steals. That was a, a really good version of Ty Rogers, and one that uh, I know that you're, you're trying to get him as confident and comfortable as possible because he's someone that can really impact this team down the stretch. And I, most of his big games here in, in Big Ten play still against the Nebraska and Minnesotas of the world. He did have a nice performance against Ohio State, but hopefully, some things that he can build on as you go down the home stretch. Derek, I think if we zoom out here a little bit, it wasn't a great performance, but you found a way to win by 16 against Nebraska at home. At the end of the day, you found a way to do that. I thought their defense wasn't very good in the first half. Uh, And then you insert Rodgers, you insert Harris, and all of a sudden, the final 12 minutes, you gave up two field goals. And and that defense that has carried them throughout this winning seven of eight finally showed up. And, And I think that is the consistency of this team right now is there are frustrating things. It is not clean, as every team in the Big Ten could probably say at this point outside of Purdue, but they found a way to lock in defensively. And I thought Ty Rogers plays like a veteran um, with with the way he attacks things, but he speaks like a veteran. He got the podium game tonight along with Sincere Harris, which I thought was really cool to see. But that's how this game changed. They, They started getting stops. Like Illinois was getting where it wanted offensively. And we could talk about shot selection in that first half. Um, but when they ran their stuff, they were able to score against this Nebraska team. Can they do it against Iowa? Can they do it against Rutgers? Can they do it against Penn State, Indiana, some of these teams coming up? That's a different question, but what has been consistent throughout this is defense. And in the second half, Derek, they allowed 0.5 points per possession. 
that, that is elite. No matter what team you're playing, it's a bad team. It's a bad Nebraska team. Uh, and all the points that Nebraska was scoring in the second half, those three straight threes in 47 seconds, they're all off turnovers, right? So it's not, it's not even like half-court defense. So I, I thought it was – I thought it said a lot about those freshmen that they came in and made the impact where it mattered most on, on the defensive end. That sparked the transition. That sparked easy buckets and kind of got Illinois going on that end. And I think that speaks again to depth. Because the freshmen are a part of that. Ty Rogers and Sear Harris have stepped up. You see Matthew Meyer emerge as a marquee scorer in the Big Ten, which has helped because Terrence Shannon isn't playing his best ball. Jade Naps has emerged as you know an All Big Ten freshman kind of guy. Like that, that, that depth and that talent uh, is starting to show during this, this seven of eight wins um, over this last month. There, yeah, for sure. And you talked about the defensive impact of being able to. Turn Nebraska over, both Sincere and Ty had two steals apiece. And points off of turnovers was a big story for an Illinois offense that struggled uh, a good chunk of the night. 20 points there off of turnovers, a good amount of those and fast on fast, fast break points. So, uh, and then, you know, Sam Griesel was killing Illinois in the first half and uh, really did a number on Terrence Shannon there in the first half. Ty did a great job of being able to check him. He, he, I thought he held up better than Terrence did, you know, over the course of the night. And uh, Grease only had six points there in that second half after scoring 15 in the first 20 minutes. So uh, that was a big storyline. And, yeah, defensively, Illinois took even another step up into the top 15 now. Ken Palm rankings defensive efficiency. They're number one in league play and defensive efficiency. So that's something they can be able to hang their hat on now. Uh, Nebraska got too many things easy. In that first half, Griesel being able to play mid-post, back-down game, uh, was able to hit Derek Walker inside a few times, who, who kind of needed that that breakdown. Because otherwise, if you're just throwing it in one-on-one, Dane with his length, Coleman with his length, can make it hard on on Walker to be able to hurt you too much. He, he's had two games against Illinois and wasn't able to score in double figures in either of those. So Nebraska shot 52% from the field first half. Second half, you held them under 20 points. Similar, you look back Saturday, you held Wisconsin to 16 points in the first half. So we know that this defense can be really, really good when they're locked in. Uh, offensively, there's still a decent amount uh, in terms of to, to be desired and some other steps they need to take forward because when you're going to face an Iowa, you need to be able to score points. Now, I, I know Iowa's defense can make it easier on you, but Nebraska didn't come in with with a very good uh, defensive efficiency rating in league play either. So, uh, But, yeah, they're, they're going to lean on defense. It's just I think there are some signs here that we've seen recently, but especially we can kind of highlight tonight that uh, offense could be an issue for this team, uh, especially three-point shooting, uh, especially some of the inconsistencies for certain guys. All right, we can go through some of these questions, uh, see if Jeremy can still get reconnected here. Uh, I know we got a question about Underwood coming back out right before halftime, sitting there kind of alone. I know he addressed that in the post game. Mentioned that he, he only needed about 30 seconds to voice his displeasure with the team, said everything he needed to say, uh, didn't want to uh, discuss it uh, with his staff at all. I don't think that was a, in terms of friction or anything. He was just upset, uh, got his point across, apparently. I know that uh, Ty and Sincere kind of just sat back and laughed when they were asked, you know, kind of what was the message there at halftime. And, and like it was just Brad being Brad. And Brad comes out and uh, he, he kind of just needs some time to cool off and sit there and, yeah, he, he thought that effort really was lacking in that first half, a, a team that I think you come off a high of winning on the road at Wisconsin. He kind of took the bait a little bit of, of looking at Nebraska and and understanding they're they're one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. They're shorthanded. They're down two starters. And 
maybe they were a little bit too relaxed. I thought it was interesting. Terrence was frustrated uh, a lot there in that first half. I know that he didn't like some of the foul calls on him, the fact that he didn't get a, a call or two. I mean, he, there was in particular, I couldn't remember if it was late first half, early second, where you could audibly hear the slap. Uh, and he, he was having a dialogue with the officials all night long. I didn't think his, his body language wasn't all that good. Um, the way that Grizzle kind of went at him, uh, especially the the spin move, kind of put a shoulder into him and dunked on on Terrence. We know when Terrence really is dialed in uh, as far as, you know, his effort, his physicality, stuff like that's not going to happen. Uh, so uh, he clearly wasn't himself tonight. I think in general, and this is a knock on, on kind of the big picture, like he's had a, uh, on the note, uh, Jeremy's internet, obviously gave, he said that he's working to get, to get back in. He's going to have to restart his computer. Uh, Terrence has had, you know, an all big 10, probably second team type of season. Uh, I, I know that, you know, there's been a conversation of who's been Illinois' best player here, you know, within, you know, of late or, or really over the last month, it, it's been Matt. And, and that certainly showed kind of just Matt's consistency. Terrence has been a little bit more up and down of late. Uh, the three point shot has been something that he's back. He's back in the building. I'm back. The internet gave up. My computer's been fuzzy with this internet, so I'm not going to blame it on Illinois' always reliable, fast internet. My computer just crapped out on me there. So thank you for being professional, Derek, and, and holding the fourth there, man. Well, I will say I kind of just missed there for a little bit, and then uh, I guess I might as well answer some questions to keep the dialogue going. But uh was saying that you know Terrence has only shot 25% from three here in Big Ten play, and uh, we, we talk, I was talking a little bit about Matt, maybe a little bit more consistent, but – uh, yeah, we can we can dive back into where we were in the conversation. Yeah, my bad. This is uh, the live podcasting realm, so appreciate you guys sticking with us and, and Derek answering some of your questions. Now, before we dive more into that offense, because uh, I know you got a lot of thoughts on it, Derek, um, I want to bring up Epps, Harris, Rogers. What a spark they were! And I, I thought, as I said before, like it felt like the, the other classmen knew it was Nebraska tonight. And, and when you have guys that are fighting for minutes. And in fighting for roles like Harris and Rogers, like sincere brought up, Brad, you know, yelled at us in the media today for making too big of a deal out of starting lineups. I don't feel like we have, but he did make a starting lineup change that is, I think, helped the team with Jaden Epps um, starting. Uh, but he's going to do what he's got to do, and, and I know what he's doing. Um, but sincere Harris said it, it, it kind of affected him, and he wasn't playing as well, and his minutes have obviously dipped the last couple of minutes. But he came out hungry and wanting to play, and he knew, hey, let's play defense. Let's get in Tominaga's face after Tominaga hit a couple threes. I love watching that guy. Uh, but he can get hot, man. He's a good player. Uh, and then Ty Rogers did the exact same thing. He just, it was energy. It was effort. And they jolted this team. I thought Jaden Epps was the best decision maker tonight uh, with the ball in his hands. Um, and I asked Brad, like, what, what's that say about those guys? and what's, What do they mean for your team? He said, well, they're really good. <laughs> they're really good players. It's like, yeah, they are. They were one of the, the highest ranked recruiting classes. I know Sky Clark played a role in that, but those are three very talented players, two top 50 guys, and Jaden Epps and Ty Rogers. And obviously, Sincere Harris is, is such a huge culture guy. But um, what, what a performance for those guys. And it feels like maybe I don't want to take too much into a game against Nebraska or too much into a game against Minnesota or things like that. But those are confidence builders. And Ty Rogers is, is making a huge impact on this team now. Sincere has all season. Like he, he sparked a win against UCLA. Uh, and Jaden Epps is one of the most important players on your team all season. It feels like these guys are coming of age a little bit. Like they're starting to um, find a little bit of a rhythm, especially with Ty. 
Yeah, and I know that Ty has talked about it. He knows now what that role looks like and, and role identification, something that Brad's talked about as part of what's changed and what's flipped for this team. And uh, I think that Ty's kind of maybe ridden the roller coaster. He mentioned it after the game of some games he'll play, you know, five or so minutes and some games he'll play more. So being able to adjust to kind of the inconsistent opportunities. But now when he's going to play with that type of of effort, which he, I don't think that's ever really been a question. It, it's kind of just been, you know, being being in the right spots, not making too many mistakes, uh, not fouling too much defensively, and, and then offensively not being too much of a liability. I know that his shooting is still something you're not going to rely on, but uh, when he's able to go three for three from the field, he, he seems more and more confident to take that ball off the dribble. He, he draws fouls at a, at a pretty significant rate because he just plays with so much pace and physicality. And, yeah, for him to go out there and compete like that on a night when Illinois didn't have an edge about it, especially early on, Sincere has done that, like you mentioned, all year long. But uh, to transition, you know, he's a freshman. He's a guy that had to be excited about, you know, being a starter, and then that gets taken away from him. So uh, you understand that, you know, that's something you maybe got to have a little maintenance behind the scenes with and, and try to get, you know, make him understand that, hey, you're, you're still a significant <laughs> part of this team, and uh, let, let's get back to what you were doing earlier in the year, just coming in and being that spark plug uh, for Illinois. So, uh, yeah, again, if Sincere is able to, to finish at a pretty good rate around the basket, and that's really just the biggest conversation with Harris and Rodgers is that I don't ever question what they're going to do defensively or what they're going to do energy-wise. It's just can you play both of them at the same time and not get killed offensively because you got two guys that aren't really shooters or, or offensive threats. And, yeah, Jaden, I mean, another night, another – double figure scoring I mean that's nine out of 11 games I think that he's been double figures uh so uh, a stretch there in the first half I think that he had back-to-back turnovers but outside of that uh that those are the only turnovers he had all night so uh yeah those, those three like like you mentioned uh a really highly touted recruiting class that now you hope that those guys can down the stretch really solidify themselves because they're they're a big key in in determining how much depth this team really has yeah, um, Ty Rogers was a plus 18 and a plus minus tonight. Sometimes that doesn't mean a lot. It did tonight. Uh, I think that correlated pretty well. Sincere Harris was a plus 11 in 14 minutes. Meyer and uh, Shannon were both, I think, plus 16 uh, tonight. So, so not a surprise there. But to, to get that kind of impact in, in a low amount of minutes, under 20 minutes for those guys, uh, was huge. And, you know, I, I mentioned on the podcast earlier this week when I was going solo there, like um, – this is a, a team with the Ken Palm MVPs. Like in, in their wins, you know, Meyer had four, Shannon had five, uh, Danger had three, Hawkins had two, Sky Clark had one. Add Ty Rogers. Uh, a seven point performance is hard for a Ken Palm game MVP, but it was Ty Rogers. So I'm happy that, like, analytically, I test plus minus, like, it, it all showed up that I thought Ty Rogers was the most impactful guy on the court. And Sincere Harris probably. Uh, wasn't too far behind them. Right. And I I mean, a night when your top guy is pretty inefficient as far as their shooting goes, but it, it does reward ties kind of all around game. And, and the fact of having the steals, having the rebounds, having a three for three night from the field at seven points and, and, and something that's not going to show up in the box score, which I know that Ken Palm is, is really uh, analytically driven towards with, with the MVP is again, like the shots that, Greasel didn't get on tie. I thought that was really good to see. So uh, great for him to be able to have that type of, of an effort. And, and again, you can just kind of go on down the line and you, you see a team like Iowa and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to get 
a bunch of minutes on like Keegan on like Chris Murray, almost like Keegan. Uh, yeah, I think that I'm kind of playing the same. Yeah, they, they are. They are. We'll have to check in on those those games as we go along because there is a big night in the Big Ten. But you know, games like at Iowa, at Indiana, that you still have a number of huge games can can tie take some of these you know at Minnesota games against Nebraska and really be able to turn that into some significant nights when your your competition is much higher. Yeah, as we're recording this, Maryland and Indiana, Northwestern Iowa, both in really close games um, at Maryland and at Iowa uh, for those two. All right, Derek, let's bring it up. How big of a concern is the offense, the shooting, and sometimes the shot selection? You mentioned it. Illinois is now shooting 28.5% from three during conference play. That is bad. That is the last place in the Big Ten. Terrence Shannon is shooting 25% from three during conference play. Uh, and we'll get into R.J. Melendez a little bit, but that's supposed to be one of your shooters who is five for his last 39. So how big of, of a concern is the offense in shooting, which is the flip side of great defense, uh, is, is keeping Illinois in games. feels like offense right now could keep them from reaching their ceiling. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. It, it is kind of the big picture concern of where this team can ultimately go with these type of offensive challenges. Now, there's still a month and some change to be able to figure it out before you're in postseason play. And we know that this team is is offensively capable. And I, I think as far as their three-point shooting goes, it might determine, you know, Luke Goody's return and his effectiveness might be able to say something about how much firepower they have from three-point range or, or if RJ can snap out of this. It's, it's been a a lengthy drought for him, you know, five of his last 39 from three. So when you're dead last in the Big Ten at three-point shooting, I think this team is good enough defensively and just kind of at their current collection. Can they still have a, a really nice finish in the Big Ten? Can they be a top-five Big Ten team without being, you know, completely stellar offensively? Yeah, I think they can. But it, it is kind of, you know, thinking grand scheme of things, how far can they go? Because we, we talk about, like – they have the talent to go to the second weekend. If things go right for this team, they can make a, a deep run to like the Elite Eight. Could they be a Final Four team? Usually Final Four squads, you know, have that kind of – the profile usually is, you know, top 20 offensive and defensive efficiency. They're there defensively. Offense, offensively, they're, you know, 56 in the country offensive efficiency. And just kind of the overall inconsistencies, the shot selection, because they – I know Robbie Hummel said it, it's – they've fallen in love with the three for a team that doesn't shoot the three that well. And they kind of just go on these stretches where it's kind of odd of how much they love shooting it when they don't, they don't shoot it that great. So uh, you know I who else love it tonight. You know who else loved them doing that? It was Nebraska. Nebraska. Nebraska's like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Keep, keep shooting those contested isolation threes. I, I, I tweeted out at one point, Illinois went 12 minutes, Derek, without an assist. Yeah. That's, that's not good. That's definitely not good. Uh, yeah, I, I am worried about it. I am worried about it. Big picture. It, it's kind of ironic that a lot of the conversation preseason, we talked about, you know, if anyone was going to poke holes in Indiana, it was like, Oh, Indiana's, have you seen them shoot here recently? Uh, they might not be able to shoot the three. That, that would be a big downfall for them. Illinois is kind of shooting the way that many people thought Indiana might. I mean, Indiana, the league play shooting like 40% from three Illinois is dead last. So, uh, I was going to make that comp, Derek. I was going to make that comp. It's like Illinois, Indiana last year based on the defensive numbers, offensive numbers. The one difference I would say is Matthew Meyer can just take over a game. Yeah. Right? Like for, for the best. I don't know if Indiana had that guy that from the perimeter, you know, attacking the basket. I don't think they had maybe Xavier Johnson at times, but 
uh, late in the year. Um, but I, I just that he's the X factor of it all, and we've seen him carry uh, Illinois offensively at times. I mean, they are very efficient inside the arc, which begs the question, Derek. Like teams are starting to do that. Nebraska was trying to take that away from Dane Danger tonight, right? They're they're sagging off supposed shooters, RJ Melendez, some of these other guys. Uh, and Coleman Hawkins, I guess, is battling a wrist injury. Um, Brad Underwood said today, so maybe he didn't want to shoot as many threes. Uh, he was 0 for 3 tonight. Some of those were really late shot clock kind of situations. But, yeah, I mean, Meyer, 3 of 11. He fell in love with the ISO stuff tonight. Uh, he, he got guys in the air and it's like, man, attack, because you're 6'9", you're, you're really good to handle. Uh, get to the rim, get fouled. Terrence Shannon, 2 of 8 from 3, only attempted five twos. Most of those in transition. He's the guy. They got, they got to get going downhill there. Like I, I'd rather him get contested, maybe even get blocked, uh, but maybe he can get to the free throw line. And then settle for some of these threes that are, for him, really inefficient. He's a 25% three-point shooter right now. Yeah, and a night when he's going to shoot eight threes compared to five twos, only draw two fouls, and only have two free throw attempts. That means, obviously, he, he didn't get downhill nearly enough. Uh, Illinois is going to have to find ways to get him there. But, I mean – Nebraska sitting in that zone was obviously trying to clog the lanes, clog the inside. When they doubled Dane, they didn't want to give him one-on-one post-ups. And uh, this is a Huskers team that was dead last in the Big Ten in two-point field goal percentage. They wanted to take that away because, you know, Illinois has not shown to be a great three-point shooting team and and dared them to to hit some threes on them. And they didn't do it all that well, 5 of 29. Uh, We saw 5 of 28 here last week against Ohio State. So, uh, yeah, Terrence needs to be able to get downhill. Uh, it's something that he can do, obviously. But uh, there are times where, you know, teams are just kind of clogging that thing up, clogging it up in the lane. But And why wouldn't they? Especially if some other guys around him, if you have RJ out there, if you have Ty and Sincere out there, there's going to be lineups where teams are automatically going to try to pack it in. So, uh, But, yeah, there's just kind of been a tendency where even with time left in the shot clock where – you know, Terrence pulls one up from 28 feet or, or Matt, I know that he's going to take some of those off the bounce, like transition threes. And, and you know, when they go in, they're great. And, and he's been on a, on a on a great run here recently of three point shooting in particular and just overall production. So I don't mind him as much, but there, there's just kind of been that that ISO. They've, they've gone into some stretches where I thought that earlier in the month or, or the best that we've seen of this team is kind of the the connection they have offensively to even run their actions later in the clock when, you know, it, it doesn't present itself right away. It seems like here recently there is kind of, as Brad talks about, like breaking plays off, understanding that, okay, like one action or one ball reversal, it's not there. Let's just kind of ISO into a, into a step back. The fact that Coleman is kind of tentative offensively. Uh, I thought turnovers obviously played in not only just for Coleman, but on, on the whole for Illinois tonight, uh, all of a sudden you don't have a lot of shot making from the perimeter and uh, not saying it can't come back around, but that is a legit concern. That brings me to this question, Derek. Is RJ Melendez's shot fixable? Last 12 games, five of 39 from three. Um, During the first 10 games, I don't have a percentage, Derek, but I I know it was over 30-something percent. First 10 games, he made 13 threes compared to five over the last 12 uh, it coincides with when that shoulder injury happened. Don't know how much that's bothering him. Brad said it's structurally fine. Um, but he, this is this is one of the worst shooting slumps we've seen from a guy we know can shoot the ball well, but it is not coming off his hand good. He's 
I asked Michael Tulip what he's seeing. He said he's not getting any lift in his shot. Uh, and it seems like he's aiming at this point. I mean, one almost got banked in today, um, which maybe would have been the best thing for him. Um, and it's tough to see. I, I, he had a nice drive tonight to finish at the rim again, another dunk. He's playing some good defense. But let's be honest, like the way Ty Rogers and Sincere Harris are playing, like those guys do those things, I think, better than R.J. Melendez. They need him to start making shots at some point. Because I know everyone's asking, when's Luke Goody coming back? We don't know. Um, he's not full practice yet, from what Brad Underwood has told us. And, and I don't think just putting Luke Goody in after not playing and having a foot injury and not shooting against live Big Ten shots and a guy who really hasn't played a ton of Big Ten basketball, Derek, uh, I don't think that's the savior. It's, it's an Illinois shooting problem. I think they need R.J. Melendez and Terrence Shannon uh, and Coleman Hawkins to, to make more threes. Absolutely. I mean, can R.J. his shot be fixed? Yeah, it can. I don't know how close it is to getting there. I know Brad continues to put confidence in him and say that we're just telling him to keep shooting it. And then it could be a mental thing where one or two go in and all of a sudden RJ Melendez is shooting it at a a rate that you would have expected going into the year where last year, I know it was a small sample size and maybe we overreacted to it or, or I don't know. He shot like 60% or high fifties from three last year. Uh, not that expected at the, at an increased volume that he was going to do the same thing, but all of a sudden, right. yeah. And we, we can't uh, deny that the shoulder hasn't played a factor in it. Uh, he, only he would know how much that's still affecting it, or if it just threw him off and threw off his confidence in his rhythm, it, it does seem that confidence is lacking big time. And like you said, it, it doesn't seem like his misses here recently for the most part are particularly close. Like he had the one that hit the, hit the backboard from the corner. He had another one that he like shanked off the side of the rim and it, they're not like rim outs for the most part. Uh, he's, he's had some of those, but uh, when you see some of his explosive finishes, you would hope that I don't want him completely, you know, red lighted from three in general, but go to the rim. Like if you're going to shot fake, a guy goes in the air. If you're going to catch in the corner and have, you know, 10 to 15 feet of, of free space in front of you, take a couple dribbles and explode and, and see if you get fouled, see if you can finish at the basket. Cause that's clearly something that is working for him. It, it is going to be something, though, kind of as you get down the stretch where there really just aren't that many consistent shooters. Can, can RJ reemerge as one? You would hope because I think they're going to need it because we'll, we'll see Terrence, if he can get that back. Coleman has been inconsistent throughout his career from three and if, if the risk is going to affect him. Uh, but, yeah, I think with Luke, uh, we, we are going to talk to him on the radio tomorrow, so – We'll, we'll get that full update and see what he ultimately says as far as getting cleared. But I agree with you. Like it's been three, three months plus since he's played like live action, like five on five. And how quickly can he get into a mode where he's in a rhythm and can make shots? I, it sounds like something that is, is going to be hard for him to accomplish not only right away, but is he going to be able to do it at all this year? We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. The timing of that injury was just terrible. Like, like working guys back in, I think we've seen it with football last year with Josh McCray with a foot injury or a knee injury. Like, it's tough to get those guys going, get them confident, and get into a rhythm. That's why the non-conference is, is so important with, with some of those bye games, but just to, to get in there. And then and then you throw a new piece in there. Um, you know, it, it can mess with chemistry a little bit, but obviously the idea of Luke Goody is great. I, I just don't know if he's going to be the savior that everyone else uh, thinks he could be if he gets back here at some point. And, and Brad said they haven't had that redshirt conversation yet, but we're, we're getting to that point 
Um, there's only six weeks left before the NCAA tournament. Like, that, that is coming quick. Uh, and if he hasn't been cleared for practice yet, I don't think they're putting him in a week after getting back to practice. So if that's next week, like how, how much of a week could he get in? Four weeks? Is that is going to help? Is it going to be a huge impact? I just I have my doubts about that. And just get back to RJ. First 10 games, he was 36% from three. That's That, that would have been fine. <laughs> you would have taken that all year. It just has not been the case uh, the rest of the year. Derek, I think Saturday is a monster, monster game for Illinois. That has to be feeling good. I, I know it wasn't a clean performance. Seven of eight, you played fantastic defense. You are back uh, towards the top of the Big Ten. Um, I believe or if Northwestern loses, you're in second place um, tonight. Like uh, If Maryland, Indiana like, loses yeah. too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Maryland is up on Indiana, and, and Iowa is up on Northwestern with – uh, late in those games, we'll update those as we go along to update this conversation. But uh, I think Iowa's capable of being a top five Big Ten team, and that's a tough place to play. You got to score points to beat Iowa because their offense is one of the best in the country, but they give up points. So uh, we know what this rivalry has been the last few years. It's been a lot of fun. Illinois has had the advantage here recently, but this Iowa team's a different kind of test, right? Because they are the kind of offense you can see uh, in the NCAA tournament, more of a spread it out kind of team. Uh, with a ton of shooting, uh, I think it's going to be a fun test for Illinois' defensive progress, uh, but also can, can their offense uh, score enough to keep up with Iowa? Right, yeah. I, I know that Chris Murray and Rebracha have been really a productive tandem down low. Uh, Chris obviously can score from everywhere, score from three, mid-range, uh, off the dribble, inside. Uh, Rebracha has kind of been a, a double-double threat here for the most part of late and has played a lot better than I, I would have expected. Uh, I, I kind of thought last year he was just kind of just a dude, but uh, he's definitely progressed uh, to a point of being very productive. So the matchup between him and Dane, the fact that, you know, Coleman drawing the the Chris Murray assignment uh, is another one of those where you talk about an NBA talent. Uh, can Coleman be able to, and he, he won't be alone. I imagine Matthew Meyer will get some of that matchup too. Uh, can he limit him and make everything tough? And yeah, Iowa always plays with a ton of pace. They love to run. If you turn it over, if you have mistakes offensively, they'll turn those to the points. Uh, Carver Hockey is one that uh, you get on a run there. If that being Iowa can can really be a tough building. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're top 10 in the country offensive efficiency. I know they're in a battle right now at Northwestern. You can score on them. Uh, they're, they're not a team that, you know, it's kind of traditional for Ann McAfee. They'll put up a ton of points. Uh, they'll let you score, but you probably need, you know, probably need 80 to beat them. It's hard to beat them without scoring, you know, high 70s into 80. Uh, so Illinois recently with kind of their three-point shooting struggles, at least, I mean, look at the red right there on three-pointer. I mean, Iowa gives up the three really well. Illinois doesn't shoot the three really well. What's going to give there? Uh, I, I think that will be fascinating. But uh, I, I do think as far as kind of the, the backcourt goes, could Epps and Shannon outplay what, what Iowa has there? I, I know Perkins is someone that – uh, has not played up to expectation on the whole of the season. Aaron Ulyss has been better for them of late. He's been uh, giving them a nice punch. But, again, yeah, Iowa team that can really run, can really score, and Illinois' offense is going to have to be up for the test. Yeah, uh, number two offense in the Big Ten. Uh, I think they'll soon be number one. And then Illinois, the number one defense uh, in the Big Ten. I just – I can't wait for this game. Carver Hawkeyes, always a fantastic place to play. Um, so – That'd be interesting, Derek. Yeah, you're breaking down some of the the advantages uh, Illinois has. I think certainly the length um, is needed against uh, Rebracha. I didn't think was tough at all. 
last year. I think he's gotten tougher, more confident this season. And for all the expectations of being Keegan Murray's twin brother, Chris Murray might be exceeding um, the huge expectations they've had. I do think that the backcourt has to play strong. And I think I would include Matthew Meyer uh, in that. We don't think of him as a guard, but he is a guard. Uh, and I think that's where they can really take advantage. But I think you need a you need a better game from Terrence Chandler. Terrence hasn't played, um, I think, up to his capability, especially efficiency-wise, Derek, here recently. But that's a huge advantage uh, with him and Matthew Meyer at those guard spots because you're talking about you know, the McCaffrey's guarding them. I know Connor can get into people. He can frustrate someone like Terrence. Terrence was frustrated tonight um, against Greasel, kind of flopping sometimes. But but Sam Greasel also bully-balled uh, Terrence Shannon a few times. So I think he needs to be better on that end as well because these Iowa guys, man, they, they can shoot the lights out. But I do think they have the advantage in that backcourt um, especially. So that's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, the McAfee bros don't have the the athleticism to match up with Terrence all that well. Now, again, like we know that Iowa's been uh, they, they've been a team that throughout the years has always had a zone in their bag. Uh, they've they've played kind of that matchup zone sometimes. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw that out there at Illinois uh, to make them deal with that. But yeah, on the the matchup side, Connor uh, will be physical with Terrence. We'll see how Terrence is, is able to respond from really now two games in a row Nebraska and Wisconsin where he hasn't played all that well and it's just been someone that has had some inconsistency we know that he's very capable uh, but has to get it going has to be that consistent entity as one of Illinois stars up there with Matthew Meyer and, and yeah Meyer kind of goes along the same way where six nine good athlete uh, can he be someone that kind of overwhelms uh, Iowa on their perimeter uh, and and kind of what that dynamic ultimately looks like. So uh, a high-level matchup uh, should be really fun. Uh, I don't think we're going to have Iowa fans denying the fact that this is a rivalry on Twitter, so that's also going to be fun to to have. Uh, that's kind of a shout-out to Indiana fans. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a great matchup here in recent seasons. And, and while a lot of the faces have changed, except for Connors, really, that's kind of the only one, um, it, it'll be a, a fun one yet again. Um. I hate to go rostering on you, Derek, but I'm going to. Death taxes Brad Underwood in January. Mm-hmm. He's now 24 and seven in January. The last four seasons, uh, they just went here. I mean, what a loaded January when you look at this. How many games uh, Illinois has played here in January? They go seven and two, but win seven of their last eight. We talked about how they had a chance here to to really make up a lot of ground. And I know Indiana was ugly, and they got bully-balled there, but this is exactly what you needed. This is exactly what you wanted from, from the team is, is to go on a run like this that we've seen from teams in the past, and now they have. You have a chance at Iowa. The reason I think this, this Iowa game is so important is because you look at it on the schedule. If you win at Iowa, get another quad one win. If Illinois could use a few more of those. Um, I think they have four right now. Then you come home against Minnesota, you take care of business against a team that's just overwhelmed right now uh, in the Big Ten. Um, and, and even if you have an off night a little bit like Nebraska, I think at some point over 40 minutes you're going to find a way to win just like you did at Minnesota. If you're at 9-4 and four going into the toughest stretch of your season, in my opinion, home against Rutgers at Penn State, at Indiana, home against Northwestern, we got to call that a tough game now. Right? Or it's one you should win, but – at Ohio State, but you got a lot on the road there, right? You, you end with four of your last six on the road, including a really, really tough one at Purdue. 
if you get to nine and four by that point, Derek, I, I'm, I'm, if, I, if they win at Iowa, I'm starting to buy into this team. as a team, again, that we think can make a, a longer run in the NCAA tournament because that, that's the kind of team you haven't seen in a while, I think, in the Big Ten. It's a team I think uh, Iowa can, can get to a, a Sweet 16 as well. So for me, it's just a, it's a, it's a massive game. It doesn't mean if they lose that, that none of that stuff won't happen, but if they do, I'm going to really start to believe in this team. Yeah, it's consistency is really what we talked about throughout the last month or even back earlier in the season. And a win against Iowa would be yet another four-game winning streak, eight of nine. And, yeah, being a really quality team on the road, uh, one that has a lot of offensive firepower, and that would just further solidify that Illinois has has risen towards the top of the league. I think they'd be in a, in a really good position. We'll see. You know, Indiana's got a really tough week. If Indiana drops this game, I don't know what the score is currently, but then they play Purdue out of the weekend to try to get a, a, a notch up on a team that you're trying to fight with on finishing position there in the top three, top four of the, of the league. And we've said many times, if you're top three, top four, you're probably in a really good spot as far as seating goes in the NCAA tournament. And I know kind of right now you're in that six seed range, win at Iowa, win Minnesota. If you were to like beat Rutgers at home, then you're, you're starting to trend up even further, maybe in the five line. And uh, yeah, that, that last from Rutgers on is, is such a, a grueling stretch there, but uh, you'd put yourself in, in a really good position. If you were nine and four, obviously the arrow pointing up, uh, love what the defense is doing, know that you're offensively capable and uh, a chance to, to play for a lot in the stretch. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't know if Purdue's going to open the door in terms of like the ultimate, you know, the re- ultimate regular season prize, which is the Big Ten title, but uh, a chance to to really be in that that upper tier, that upper echelon at the top is something this team is is obviously very capable of, and and they're making that more and more of a reality here as they push forward. Yeah, sorry to the podcast listeners. You're listening to this like the next day, uh, but I do want to update these scores. Um, Iowa's got a double-digit lead on Northwestern with three and a half minutes left, so they should win that game, which makes this game on Saturday even more important. Uh, and I think that's the start of a slide for Northwestern, by the way, because their schedule is absolutely uh, brutal. But Maryland has a seven-point lead on Indiana with 10 minutes left, and if, if Maryland ends up winning that game there, Illinois is all alone. It, it would in second place uh, in the Big Ten, at least for the moment. And you see Ken Palm projects Illinois to go 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten. If, if they get to 13-7, and seven, I think you can start talking about top four seed in, in the NCAA tournament again, right? Like, I think that's possible. Now, if you want a four or five seed, would you rather be a six? Um, I, I don't know. But um, I think this team is capable uh, of doing that. I think we've seen over this last month um, what their ceiling is and – what maybe what their floor can be now that they, they started to play a lot better defense. So if we're buying a team to finish second behind Purdue right now, for me, Illinois is that team because their combination of talent, I think they do have some untapped offensive potential at the moment because they're just not shooting very well. Then I don't think Rutgers has, um, but I do think Rutgers plays great defense. I think they're capable of doing that. Indiana is capable of doing it. Iowa's capable of doing it. Uh, but right now I would, I might put the odds of, of Illinois being, yeah, I think for me it's been a tough choice between Illinois and Indiana. Not to completely write off Rutgers because obviously they've had a, a really good year and uh, you know at the rack is is tough and, and any, even on the road. I know they just went to Iowa City and gave up ninety three points, but you know they're the one team that's beaten Purdue all year. 
they come here in a couple of weeks. It's not going to be an easy game for the Illini by, by any means, but uh, the way Trace has been playing, the way the Indiana shot the three, the fact that they're going to get race and race is obviously back. Xavier Johnson, uh, maybe not, not, may not be too far away, but you know, they lose this game on the road at Maryland. If they drop and they got to turn around and play Purdue and in, in Bloomington, uh, they could then, what would that make them six and six? If they lost both of those six and six in the league. Uh, and Illinois has a chance if they win at Iowa to create a little bit of separation there. Obviously, again, the schedule down the stretch, which includes playing at Indiana. Uh, so I think those teams, to me, have kind of emerged as, as that, that big contender for the two spot. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I just, the fact that for both those teams to be able to have the turnaround within the middle of the Big Ten play says a lot about obviously living up to their talent, but uh, being able to, to flip that switch. And Illinois does have that defensive uh, foundation and, and the ability to get things going offensively, but they are going to have to shoot the three better and get Terrence rolling for sure. Uh, Derek, I think you might have answered this question. Uh, as someone said, I boomered the stream. Um, not quite boomer, but millennial here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> ben uh, talked about people complain about Meyer's shot selection. I can live with it. He makes tough shots. Shannon's shot selection uh, is hitting them when he settles. I would agree with that. Like Meyer's shown he can make them, right? I think it's a good point by Ben. I, I would like Meyer every once in a while to attack off the dribble. I do think he falls in love with it a little bit too much, but what's the balance? I don't want to tell Matthew Meyer after a 26-point performance or what he did against Texas. It hasn't worked for Terrence Shannon in a while. It's been a long time since that UCLA game where he kind of went and did one of those Meyer things from three. Uh, he's a good catch-and-shooter. Like, you have the synergy numbers probably, Derek. I don't like feels like Shannon is way better catch and shoot than he is off the bounce, off the three. Yeah, I could pull those up in, in about a minute. But uh, I think that Shannon for sure has some moments where I, I thought even like the first three hit in the game was just a step inside of the of the logo there at half court. And I was like, oh, boy, uh, for a guy that's not been shooting it all that well. But, hey, it went in and he was like, all right, maybe this is the, the turn for, for Terrence Shannon. I, I think he did settle too much that definitely hurts the Illini I think for Matt too like yeah you can't argue with what he did at Wisconsin just kind of the role that he's been on I know you you mentioned on the recent podcast was like the last 10 games or or whatever it was since Texas he shot 40 plus percent from three so when he's doing some of those things uh, even when they're pull-ups off the bounce he, he has a knack for being able to make those shots but I think it was even just kind of the the feel of the game where they had taken a number of threes. There was a timeout, and it's like, I'm sure I can only imagine what Brad is saying. is like, can we just drive the ball to the rim? You come out of that timeout, Shannon Shanks went off the backboard. They get a stop, but then Meyer just pulls up and transition from three with, you know, 20-some seconds still left in the shot clock, misses. And it's like, where is the uh, where's the pivot? Where is the understanding? You, you, you Things are not it? going in. You know who did it? Jaden Epps. Yes. Jaden Epps had a couple of, I, I call them veteran takes to the rim. It's just he has this knack for, for having and making the stress-relieving take to the hoop, run it off. They can't stay in front of me, right? Like, Terrence Shannon needs to do that a little bit more. I think Matthew Meyer with the pump fakes. Like, one thing, Coleman Hawkins' pump fakes are working a little bit better for him recently, especially as a distributor. I uh, found Matthew Meyer after a great pump fake and got him a, a corner three. Those are the things. Like when Illinois was humming today, it's, it's when that ball was moving. It's when they were penetrating, dishing. It doesn't mean you always got to score, but just penetration, get, find somebody else that, that can hit the three. I guess the issue is finding somebody else who can hit the three, but if you're going to find Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon, or Jaden Epps off that, 
uh, you have a decent chance uh, of doing it. Uh, Fett asked, Derek, what did you think of uh, Underwood sitting out there all alone at halftime? Yeah, he came out with seven minutes left, which Underwood never does. He's always like the last one out. Uh, but he said afterwards that um, he said what he needed to say in 30 seconds. And Ty Rogers said it was Coach Brad being Coach Brad. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of addressed this one while you were uh, getting reconnected. So uh, that was kind of a funny thing, like kind of sincere and Ty both smiling and laughing, just like, yeah, you know, he he went Coach Brad on us, which we all know what that means. Jake, do you think uh, Shannon could post up some? It's not something he's really done a whole lot. He's obviously got the strength. Uh, he can play bully ball with you. I, you just wonder if it's something that he's comfortable with. Um, I, I would rather get him. I don't know if he's good at it. I don't yeah, know if he's no. good at it. Like, he, theoretically, sure. I don't mind that. Like, But Jalen Pickett's good at it. Is is Terrence good at it? I don't think he's done it much in the college role. That's something he's he hasn't really done that much. So I would s- still like to see him. You, know, you try to get him some momentum going downhill. Uh, obviously, teams are, are scheming against that and trying to take that away. But uh, I don't know. I, I think that that'd be something they'd have to to rep in practice. I know they've kind of conceptually thought about it throughout the offseason. You, you, you heard about the you – know, I know Brad's talked about the spread, you know, trying to get some Matthew Meyer post-ups at times, which we've seen them go to. We know that Dane – and uh, but even like a guy like Coleman. Coleman has a size, but he just – he doesn't hasn't really posted up a whole lot, and maybe it's not something he does a whole lot of. So – I don't know that they can do that with Terrence, um, but they would they would know that better than we would. We just haven't seen it a whole lot. Um, Pocket Pit says, "Do you think Dane should be able to facilitate more from the free throw line? Like they they run him in that spread. Um, I just don't think Dane's that level of passer, or like Coleman can see steps ahead. I just don't know Dane's slower reaction or." His instincts aren't as good there. It doesn't mean he won't be eventually, Derek. I think we got to remember this is basically his first year playing college ball. Um, but that's where I, I just don't think he's quite the facilitator. Like his turnover to assist ratio, his assist turnover ratio is not very good. Um, usually isn't for, for a post guy, but like in that role, you want to have a little bit better facilitator. Uh, and I just don't think he quite is that yet. Right. I agree with that. I, we haven't seen it a ton. I know that he is sitting there in that pinch post, and but in terms of like the turn and face and being able to to pass out of it, number one, you don't really have to guard him with that jump shot. Like we know that his struggles at the free throw line are are pretty uh, pretty drastic. So I don't think that you're probably getting up on him too much. You can kind of drop off a little bit. Which if you're trying to play him as a facilitator, you're probably thinking about guys cutting to the basket. Maybe you can cheat off and do that. And, and yeah, I agree. I just don't think that he probably has the processing time of Coleman, which, you know, obviously Coleman sometimes processes too quickly and and takes too many gambles and it makes too many uh, dicey passes. But I don't know. Uh, They got to get something going a little bit uh, more within the offense. And tonight Nebraska did a good job of taking Dane away because they tried to post entry and and they trapped him. And when you're not shooting threes around the post, man, we know that that obviously makes things tough. Derek Piper, thank you, man, for uh, covering for me while uh, my internet boomered out here. You're going to um, go back and watch this, and it's like dead silent for a few minutes. So I apologize okay. to everyone out there for hanging with us, but we finally got some of the, the Q&A going, and, and we got you back in here, and we were rolling. Uh, Nick did have a last one. Which role player is most important to have clicking going into March, in your opinion? I don't think we call Jaden Epps a role player, but right. that, that, would be my, that would be my guy. 
Yeah, Epps for sure is going to be good because we, we talk so much about point guard play. Uh, Brad mentioned it tonight. Like I asked him about Jaden getting downhill late in the shot clock, and he said that he wants to see as much of that as possible because Jaden has really shown that he can break down a defense. And once he gets going to where he can kind of make some of those those passes out of it too, of course, you got to hit those threes. If Jaden's really rolling and has really progressed by the time this team gets postseason play and, and you have a a really, really good point guard. I, I think that's something that could really benefit this team. I, I think we can continue to come back to, you know, if Coleman's playing well, what that me- can mean for this team. I think – I don't know if you call him a role player either, but I, I guess he kind of is outside – if he's outside of the realm of, of Matt and TJ. Uh, so, I, I think he's a good answer too. But, yeah, I can't argue with Jaden either. All right. So, uh, I was going to pull it out uh, against Northwestern. They did. They won by 16, 86 to 70. Uh, Sanford, 20 points uh, in that one. Maryland's up 10 with, with eight minutes left. I'm telling you, Derek, that was my preseason. <laughs> that was the team I really liked. I, I thought the Terps could, could do it uh, against Indiana. Uh, and Indiana still struggles to score. And it sounds like Maryland is, is trapping the post. And Terrence, Terrence Jackson hey. Davis, which I think is a really good idea, make those other guys beat you. But Maryland is, is ri- rising up those standings, man. If they can uh, pull this one off, that'd be their fourth win in, in five games. I know their schedule is let up a little bit, but, but a home win over Indiana would be uh, pretty big for them. So uh, they're getting back you know, six and five. I think that's a top half Big Ten team, certainly talented. Uh, so Illinois learned it's not easy to go to Maryland and get a win. Uh, but that could be a very good night for Illinois if they end up in uh, second place here. Uh, that's why you don't apologize for, for maybe ugly uh, performances that end up in a win, even against a team like Nebraska. Uh, for Derek Pye, we're going to wrap up. Thank you guys for listening to our live on the uh, YouTube channel here. We appreciate you guys. Hit the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to us. Uh, we really appreciate the support on the YouTube channel. It's been fun doing all of these. Uh, whenever you listen to the podcast, give us a rating review. We appreciate that. We've got plenty of content coming up on the website. Joy Wagner writing about the freshman. Derek writing about the offense of the player grades as well. Uh, we've got plenty of football content. We talked with Thad Ward and Charlie Bullen today. I was really impressed with both those guys. I don't think Charlie – We'll have much of an issue recruiting. Joey and I will have another podcast to talk about all the, the football things going on. we got plenty of content coming up at Alana Inquire, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And don't forget, 60% off sale going up on the VIP side right now. So take advantage of that. It's a two-day sale. Uh, you get a chance to, to save more than $70 on that end. So we appreciate all you guys that are VIP members uh, that, that really support us. All right, everybody, take care of each other. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquire podcast. Bye, everybody.